toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. Thank you again so much for tuning in this week. I'm Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Lauren Walker. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And we would like to thank our Patreon supporters for allowing this weekly conscious conversation. We are so grateful for all the support we have received with monthly donations on Patreon, the five-star written reviews on iTunes and Spotify, and the connection within our Awakening Souls Facebook community. We are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. Please spread the word to your family and friends and join us every week. And if you like what you hear, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself. And imagine breathing that light and love and send it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Our guest today is Lauren Walker. She is the author of The Energy to Heal. She previously published Energy Medicine Yoga, Amplify the Healing Power of Your Yoga Practice, and The Energy Medicine Yoga Prescription. Both books won the Nautilus Silver Award for Best Mind-Body Publication. She's been teaching yoga and meditation since 1997 and created Energy Medicine Yoga while teaching at Norwich University. She teaches EM yoga across the U.S. and internationally and has been featured many times in Yoga Journal, Yoga Digest, and published a featured article about her yoga work in the New York Times. In 2016, she was named one of the top 100 most influential yoga teachers in America. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Lauren. Thank you for inviting me to join you. It's my pleasure. So tell us about your journey and what has led you down this spiritual path. 
Well, I like to say that I was thrown onto this spiritual path as opposed to choosing it. And over the years that I've been teaching and studying, I find that to be a common thread. So um, my father died quite young. He was 49 years old. I had just uh, graduated um, from university and he had a brain aneurysm on either side of his head and had an experimental brain surgery and his head, his brain swelled. And we had to make the choice to take him off of life support and held his hands while it took him 45 minutes to die. In the movies, everybody dies really fast, but uh, that's not really how it works in real life. And that experience along with some other uh, quite traumatic experiences in my life, but that was the pivotal one that threw me onto the spiritual path. I could no longer continue to live my life in the way that I had been living. And really, I needed to understand that sort of corny, but why bad things happen to good people. And uh, I needed to understand that and, and why I was here and what was the purpose of it all and what was the point. And if life was so tragic and, and, and miserable and awful and all of these things could happen, why stay here at all? And so that was the start of my uh, spiritual journey. And it really began, let's see, my father died in December. In July, I flew to New Zealand. And that was the start of my spiritual journey. The path that I took there really opened everything up for me moving forward. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. It really sounds like, yeah, your your pain led to your purpose in a way. And I'd love to hear more about just, yeah, the inspiration that led you to, down this road of working with yoga and how you then started to integrate the energy work with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, in New Zealand, I was introduced to all of these practices that I had never heard of before. Rebirthing, uh, astrology. I mean, of course, I've heard of astrology, but I actually studied astrology and what it meant and, uh, and meditation and guided meditation, visualization. And actually, it was in New Zealand that I was first introduced to energy work at this conference that uh, my friends and I all went to in Christchurch. And I, I still remember this so vividly. We were out in this field with this teacher and we all had a, a metal coat hanger and we held it really lightly in our hands and we could actually move the way, the direction that the hanger was pointing uh, with our own energies in our bodies or working with other people. And at that time, I was just fascinated. I was so like, what is happening? What's going on here? And we you know, talked about dowsing and, and how that works. And flash forward a million years. And now I understand why that happened, why we could move things with our, the electromagnetism of our body. But back to after coming, uh, coming home from New Zealand, it was still uh, a while I was, I am a seeker. So I learned in New Zealand, what it means to be a Sagittarius. And I seek (laughs) is the kind of buzzword. And I am a seeker still in my life. And I was just traveling all over the world, taking workshops, learning, studying, still trying to figure out why we're here and why we suffer so much pain and struggle. And eventually that led me, I moved back to New York City after a stint of living and traveling in Central and South America uh, to write a novel. And I was living uh, on this really funky little back deck of a friend's apartment in the East Village. 
and she gave me a flyer for this yoga studio. And at that point I thought, oh, yoga, that's for old people. That's boring. That's, you know, I'm already a skier, a snowboarder. I taught snowboarding in New Zealand. I'm like, I'm not going to go do yoga. That's like, so, but I'm not a runner and I didn't have the money to join a big gym or anything. So, okay. I eventually went to this yoga class and it was nothing like I had my thoughts about. It was unbelievable. And it challenged me in ways that really meant a lot to me as an athlete and as a, a former kind of uh, dancer and all of that sort of thing. It really challenged me. And it also opened up an entire new spiritual window that I had not foreseen. And so I dove really deep into that. Right away, I got my teacher training and uh, right away started to teach in New York City. And eventually uh, I moved back to Montana and opened a yoga studio started teaching here and let's see energy. Oh, right. How did that come in? Okay. So I'm teaching in Montana for years and still studying because I want to learn everything I can about everything. And continually, you know, yoga is an incredibly powerful practice. It does all these amazing things for you, for your body, for your mind, for your soul. And yet I kept bumping into these limitations. So it didn't answer the question for me of, why my father died and why I had to suffer so much and why my uh, teenage cousin who was 16 years old died of this crazy brain cancer. It didn't answer those questions. It didn't answer why um, the pain and suffering was happening in the world. But I was really working with why I was suffering so much. And I really was suffering from these traumatic experiences. And then I had another series of traumatic events because everything in life is abundant. And I learned that far, far in the future, I will learn this, and I'm sharing this with you now. I learned, this was like the one of the final pieces of my healing puzzle, is that trauma actually creates a field and it draws more trauma to you. Ah, so, so like, like attracts like? Yes, exactly. Like attracts like. So if you're in a trauma field, and I didn't even know, I didn't know anything about fields. What's a field? I didn't know about that. But if you have traumatic experiences and you don't resolve them, you draw more of them to you. And so that was the place I was in. I kept drawing these experiences, but that information was far in the future. I didn't have that information yet. All I had was I am at an operatic level of trauma in my life and this is not sustainable. And my yoga wasn't resolving that for me. So what do I do? I need to either find another yoga teacher, another yoga style, another tradition, something else that's going to serve me or, 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 or what's the or? And when you offer yourself up to the universe, oftentimes the universe boop, drops it in your lap. Hmm. So in two months, two different people in two different countries told me about the work of Donna Eden. And I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll follow that thread. And that thread turned out to be one of, if not the most pivotal threads of my life and the tapestry that my life is. I started studying with Donna. I finally learned what energy is. I finally learned how the body and the energy systems that animate the body work together with the mind, with the soul. And not only did I learn that academically, but experientially. In other words, I could affect these systems. They weren't just something that existed that I was at the mercy of, but I could actually have a relationship with my own energy far beyond I'm tired, so I'm going to take a nap or I have too much energy, so I'm gonna go run around. It was so beyond that. And 
access to understanding how trauma and stress affect the body and affect the nervous system and the energy systems and the spirit or the soul and how to work with those. So it's not, it's a it cease to be do a bunch of downward dogs and get really tired and sit in meditation and try to focus the mind. That's not going to focus because all you're thinking about is the trauma, right? Mm-hmm. It was so beyond that. It was these really powerful, accessible tools that were transformational. And so then for our it, listeners that aren't familiar with Donna Eden's work, sorry to interrupt you. Um, Cause I mean, I've known of Donna Eden's work for gosh, a couple decades now, I'm probably dating myself, but she has been around a long time. She was kind of, I think one of the pioneers of energy healing, energy medicine. So can you explain to our listeners who are not familiar with Donna Eden's work, like how that affected you and and basically like what what her take is on energy healing? Thank you. Thank you for asking that question because you're you're right. I'm so um, in that world that I forget that how could not, how could everyone not know who Donna Eden (laughs) is? She's like the Dalai Lama of the energy Mm. world. And so Donna, is a seer. She actually sees energy and her whole family sees energy. And she never thought that was strange. She thought everybody saw energy until she was about 20 years old when she realized that not everybody sees energy. And the way she talks about that superpower of hers is it gives her information that other people don't have because we lead with our egos. We lead with our, uh, our mental body. We lead with, you know, I'll introduce myself and, and kind of and this isn't just me, but most of us, we sort of dominate with our persona. And so what you see and what you learn about me in our first interaction is the persona that I've curated and that I want to present to you. And even if you're wise enough that you can see those cracks and you know you see you meet people and you're like, huh, that person's really hurting even though they're so smiley and laughy. But she sees even beyond that. She sees the energy systems that animate the body. She had a very, very difficult childhood. She was sick a lot, allergic to things. She had a heart attack at 27, tuberculosis, and then MS, multiple sclerosis, which if you know anything about that disease, you know that Western medicine still, and this, you know, she had that 50 years ago, still has nothing to offer. And she went to doctor after doctor. And finally, the fifth doctor said, get your affairs in order, find someone to raise your daughters. You're out you're going to die. And she said that was the best doctor's appointment she ever went to because she left and she said, good, I'm done with that. They can't help me. I will help myself. And she turned her superpower onto her own body and started to look and see what energy system wasn't working, what was going on and how could she use her own body, the electromagnetism of her own body to bring those energy systems back into coherence and ultimately healed herself completely. Now you're not allowed to say that, healed herself completely. My editor kept saying that in my book, you can't (laughs) say that. Western medicine says you cannot heal MS. So we could say she has not had an MS symptom for 50 years. I call that healed, Western medicine can call that whatever they want. So she took that information of how to heal herself and started to teach other people. She had, um, uh, she would see clients one-on-one and then she started to teach in classes and ultimately created her school, uh, Inner Source, which trains and has trained thousands of teachers all over the world in how to use her very powerful and unique system of healing. The unique part of it is that I mentioned we have nine energy systems and they all come from different traditions. 
let me say that differently. They don't all come from different traditions, but different traditions have focused on some of those energy systems exclusively. And so we feel when we, when we talk about meridians, we think, oh, Chinese medicine, right? That's a, that's a system from China. Well, every person on the planet has meridians, whether you're from China or from France or Canada, we all have meridians. And chakras, you think, oh, chakras, okay, that came from India. That's an Indian system. Well, India is the area that studied and delineated the chakras more than any other area. However, if you're from the United States or you're from Mexico or you're from Greece, you still have chakras. And so Donna didn't know that language. She didn't know meridians or chakras, that word, but she saw them in the body the way the ancient seers saw them. And she saw nine energy systems that all work together interrelated, similarly to how our physiology all works together. And she taught people who don't see energy how to access and work with those systems. That was a really long answer. I'm going to take a pause. <laughs> yes, and thank you so much for that um, explanation and, and just introduction to Donna Eden's work, because um, I've also been very familiar with her work for many, many, probably decades at this point, too. <laughs> Um, and, and so, yeah, I know, um, just, you know, coming back to the body and yes, we all have chakras and meridians and our energy bodies. And when we can really tune into that, you know, we, we can make a lot of shifts and in, in our energy bodies. And I know there's a, a lot of people, I'm as a psychotherapist, um, by trade for myself, you know, I work with a lot of people with trauma and anxiety, depression. These are just some things that are very prevalent in our culture, you know, and just a lot of toxic Western thought processes and systems. And, and, you know, so coming back to the body, like when someone is working, you know, with this level of the systems and their, their own energy field, what are, how can someone really tune into their own body and recognize, you know, their own systems on the, on the level of trauma? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because I'm not sure that I would use that word of how you tune into your own energy systems because it is not as subtle as that. It's not like a meditation practice where you try to still the mind and the mind won't still and you try to focus on something and you try to get really quiet so that you can do something that you think you're supposed to do for meditation, right? And, and you're trying to tune into some kind of quiet space inside there. The energy systems that we work with are very uh, prominent and prevalent in the body. They're not subtle at all. People talk about subtle energies. They're not subtle at all. And the thing that's really important to note, if you are working with, I want to say, depression or anxiety or trauma, all of that lives in the body. And so we need to work with that in the body. And when I say in the body, that includes the energy systems because the body is energy and it is made up of these nine energy systems, which gives rise to the physical form. But the physical form isn't really physical, right? So everything is energy. And, and when you rock that concept, then everything sort of becomes a little bit easier because it's much more difficult to work with the clay of the physical body than it is to work with these more diffuse systems of energy that give rise to the body. And so trauma, depression, anxiety, 
let's just take, let's just, let's put a pin in trauma for a second and let's just look at anxiety and depression. They're sort of two sides of a similar coin. So depression, the energy is literally pressed down. That is one of the definitions of it. And anxiety, it's, it's on a spectrum with mania. It's, it's lifted up, but in a very diffuse and scattered and kind of staticky way. And so it, you're not able to be grounded and centered because your energy is all sort of exterior and seeking an issue or a problem or a challenge or a worry that you are certain exists, whether it does or not. That's kind of what anxiety is. It's like all of your energy is seeking for the problem that you're sure is going to be there. And that's where your energy is, which also makes energy not be available for when an actual problem comes up that you need to deal with because your energy is all like looking for looking, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, <laughs> right? And so energetically ways to deal with that and to work with that are to bring your energy into coherence. So we have very specific techniques that take that static energy of anxiety and bring that energy into coherence down the center channel of the body. Now that center channel has been written of in almost every spiritual tradition and every healing tradition in yoga, it's called the Sushumna. In uh, quantum physics, it's called the, the torus field and the Taji pole, which is the center line of that torus shape that is actually the energetic shape of us. So that center line is a very powerful place it, in Western medicine. It is your spinal column. It is where your spine comes through the body and everything comes All of your feeling senses go through that spinal column and anxiety is a feeling sense. We think it's a brain thing, but it's a feeling sense. It's an energetic issue. And so we have techniques that will bring that diffuse energy and bring it down into the center line. Unless you think like, oh, really? That's going to deal with the anxiety overwhelming that I've had for my whole life. I want to tell you, I have had clients who have debilitating anxiety. Like I had this one client who literally was, I need to quit my job because I cannot go to work every day. The anxiety is so much. I showed him this one technique. He would go into the bathroom when he started to get his anxiety. He would do this technique and he would come out and he would be fine. And this was, I mean, I can't tell you all the details of why he had anxiety, but really like major trauma in his life that led to that anxiety. Depression is the sort of opposite end of that spectrum. It's when the energy can't rise up enough to animate the body. And there are certain reasons why that energy can't rise up enough. It can be trauma related and a lot of depression is trauma related um, and, and things that we might not even consider trauma, but if we really dig deeper mm -hmm. is actually trauma. And so we need to then reanimate the energy and uh, allow the energy to flow up the body to bring energetic life to the body and to clear the blocks that are stopping the energy from flowing. Now, again, we think in our mind, oh, well, I'm depressed because X, Y, and Z it has nothing to do with blocks in my body. What are you talking about? Well, I'm telling you that everything is energy. So these blocks that you have in your mind that you think are just in your mind are actually existing in the physical body and stopping energy from flowing. We know this trauma that isn't resolved lives in the body. 
the body keeps the score that's the title of the number one trauma book from one of the top trauma specialists in the country the body keeps the score your trauma lives in your body your stress your depression your anxiety your angst your worry it lives in the body and the way to access that and resolve that is by working with the body through your energy systems This is Brenda Carey, co-host of Be The Love podcast, and I am jumping in here to tell you about our new Magic Mind hashtag 14 days of magic challenge. Magic Mind is a productivity shot that contains nootropics and adaptogens. It's designed to crush procrastination, brain fog, fatigue, and burnouts. It gets you into a flow state, enhancing focus, meditation, and energy. And this is Stacey Musiel, co-host of Be The Love podcast. And I must say that I've been taking this shot for three days now, and I just got back into the country four days ago. And so I was really tired and low energy. And, and so this shot has really helped me to focus more and acclimate back into my regular routine. So we would absolutely love for you to join us. If you go to magicmind.co forward slash 14 days of magic with discount code be the love 14 all caps. You can also find that link in our show notes. So join us today. So that is so powerful. I'm just here to say yes. Um, I so appreciate your perspective that yeah, the body keeps the score. And the trauma does live in our fit with the issues in our tissues as I know kind of the cliche, but it's true. And we do need to move the energy in, in almost like opposition. So when you mention anxiety, so for me, I work with similar systems as an Ayurvedic health coach. So when we talk about scattered energy, that's excess air, excess vata. So we ground the energy to help bring focus and coherency to that. And then similar, excess earth energy shows up as depression or stagnancy in the energy. So we want to rise up that energy. Uh, and I know, like you mentioned, energy systems have, I mean, they're very much the same, but with different vocabulary. So I, as I'm reading your energy to heal book, one of the first things you mentioned is the five E that correlates to the five elements in traditional Chinese medicine, which is similar-ish to the five elements in nature, but there's a couple of differences. Could you touch upon that and kind of relate those five elements from the traditional Chinese medicine perspective with energy healing? So I, I want to just uh, just do one small correction on there. It's it's from ancient Chinese medicine. Okay. So traditional Chinese medicine came about when Mao came into power and really actually eradicated five element theory because he wanted everything to be the same. And so wow. he actually took away all the time zones in China because he wanted everybody to eat their dinner at the exact same time. So six o'clock okay. was the same time all across China, which is a massive country, right? So mm -hmm. he wanted to eradicate the differences. And five element theory is literally about celebrating and uh, elevating the differences of, of all of us and understanding the interplay and the interdynamics of, of everything in your own body, everything in your life, everything in the world. Five element theory is, is essentially a taxonomy of the universe. And so while it's a massive subject, it also neatly comes down to everything being in one of five things or categories, which 
reflects again back to the the fractal nature or the I'm trying to think of another word for fractal but the fractal nature of the human body everything expresses in fives it's just a very powerful number uh, and I believe that five element theory evolved from the human body versus the other way around okay and well thank is, you for that correction I appreciate between the ancient system and traditional. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for letting me say that. And then also uh, five element theories are different from different traditions. So you're, you're very familiar with Ayurveda and there's uh, metal and ether. Is it in Ayurveda? Uh, air no, there isn't metal, but there is well, ether, space, and then air. Air, air and space, air or and space or ether. And so uh, Chinese uh, five element theory in China and in India are kind of like sisters together. Those two huge con contributions to the health literature of today, Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, grew up together. They're like sisters or they're cousins. And so there's a lot of crossovers and similarities. And there's also a lot of, they, they really affected each other and, and shared with each other and grew from each other. And the, the main difference of, and my understanding of uh, Ayurvedic five elements versus Chinese medicine five elements is Ayurveda five elements is more about the categorization of, of things. And five elements in Chinese medicine is more about the interrelation of things and wow. therefore more about movement and transformation as opposed to uh, saying, you know, this is what this is. It's more about how do we transform that and how do these all relate to each other? And then of course, there's five elements in Native American culture that are also different. There's, there's many four element cultures around the world. And so the reason that I lean into Chinese five element theory so strongly is because it includes the emotions. It includes the emotional body. And one of the things that we know now through studies, through science, through the literature, specifically with people like Candace Pert, we know that emotions affect us physiologically. So, and we know that that's a two-way street. Your emotions affect the physical body, the physical body affects the emotions. And so having a system that includes the emotions, I studied yoga for years. Nobody ever said to me one word about any emotion. The only thing what I'd ever heard is you might have an emotional release or somebody is having emotional release. And then the teacher has to say, oh, well, uh, this person's having an emotional release because they did a hip opener and the issues are in the tissues, like all those things. But it was like, well, why? Well, how? How are the issues in the tissues? And why am I crying now? Because I did a hip opener. And what does that emotion mean? And what can I do with it now? And I never really got any answers to that until I started studying these uh, other areas of study that point exactly what's happening and, and where these emotions live and how we can work with them and the information that they're bringing us. And that's one of the hallmarks of energy medicine yoga is that you bring all of yourself to the mat, your emotional body, the physical body, the spiritual body, the mental body, and work with all of it. Because if we're suffering from dis-ease patterns in the body, from anything, every pattern in the body is predicated on an emotion. That is how we learn and grow and transform and become who we are is our emotions. I like vanilla ice cream. I don't like chocolate almond chip. 
that's like an emotion. That's, uh, that's our desires that like starts to create who we are. And so, you know, I like cold weather. I don't like hot weather. So I'm not going to live in Florida. That changes who I am and what I do in the world, our emotions, who you like determines your friendship groups, what, you know, what you decide to study or not, what job you decide to take, who you decide to marry or not. If you have pets or not, your emotions affect everything and they affect your physiology directly. So if we can start to work with our emotions, then we can start to release the stuck patterns of energy that those challenged emotions, those traumas, those stressors have caused in our lives. Mm. Thank you so much for that. And yeah, I agree. I mean, emotions are so important to really get connected with and learn to work with because I think we do have this, there's this message, right, that we need to stuff our emotions or they become very arbitrary and elusive and, you know, and there's a lot of fear around it. Well, if I go into this emotion, I'm going to going to become really strong and I'll, I'll die. I've heard that many times, you know, there's this like fear, this real big fear around that. And so I'm wondering if you can give our listeners maybe some tools or some things that they can do to work with their emotions and begin to feel really comfortable or safe or, you know, what are some things that you do to work with people to help navigate through that process? Yeah, that's, I mean, that really is the practice of energy medicine yoga. So the first thing that I would say to people is, um, do some EM yoga practices, find some of our, our videos or courses or classes, buy a book or three. Um, but, but I want to, you know, say that our emotions are evolutionarily necessary. And the fact that we were not raised with any understanding of what emotional intelligence is and what, why we have our emotions. I was listening to a podcast yesterday uh, about how toxic this culture is just in North America and for trauma and for just what we're talking about here, emotions and how as children, we, many of us were taught to not listen to or respect or respond to our emotions. And so if we got angry, uh, this is the example. This was a uh, Gabor Mate, and uh, I encourage all of your listeners to check him out. I, I might have listened to the same one. I was just <laughs> listening to him yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, so a, a child who's angry is told is isolated and told to go sit by themselves until they can come back to normal. So what that is saying is that anger isn't normal. And if you feel this emotion, you're going to be isolated and you're going to be sequestered from the group, which we know evolutionarily is the biggest punishment that you can meet out to a human being is to isolate them. Now, we might not think of it as punishment when we leave a baby alone in a room crying, but that is punishment. And that is what we did tribally when we were still in small tribes to punish perpetrator of a crime in the tribe was to isolate them, was to send them out. And in those days, sending yourself out or being sent out from the tribe was often a death sentence because we cannot live alone. And unfortunately, our the way our culture has evolved, we think now we can live alone. I'm mm. in my own house. I've got, you know, Netflix and whatever that company is, it brings me food to the door and I'm fine. But, you know, one solar flare away from you don't have internet and you don't have and, and, and what can you do for yourself? 
Do you know how to grow your own food and harvest your own food and cook your own food and make your own fire if you don't have a stove? And then if you get an injury, can you heal? Like you can see very quickly that we are tribal people and need, need each other. So isolation is the, the biggest punishment. And so we're, we learn from a young age that that child who was isolated for being angry now learns, okay, anger is wrong and bad. And if I feel it, I can't express it because I will be isolated. So I'm going to stuff my anger down. Mm -hmm. Well, flash forward to now some of the literature we have, and we know that anger is one of the precursors to cancer. And so here you're trying to be a good little boy or a good little girl and not be angry and not upset anybody. And really what you're doing is hurting yourself and your parents, again, this is coming from Gabor Mate, are doing the best they can with the information they have because no one is taught about emotional intelligence. And so the first thing is to honor all of your emotions. Your emotions are giving you information. That anger is letting you know that there is something that is crossing a boundary for you. And boundaries are the first thing that we need to repair after trauma. And it's the first thing that gets breached to start a trauma. If your boundaries are breached, that is the beginning of a trauma. So your anger is very crucial. Your fear is very crucial. What are you afraid of? Falling off that cliff and I might die. That's a great fear to have. You want to have that fear. All of our emotions are giving us powerful, necessary information. And we first step need to honor that. Part of five element theory helps you understand that you have a dominant emotion that you lead with. So for me, back to anger, I my dominant emotion, the energetic, uh, the emotional signature is anger. So I know that anything that happens in my life that goes even slightly awry, my first response is anger. So knowing that gives me information as well. Is this something that I truly need to be angry about? Or is it just my, am I just out of balance energetically right now? So something that happened doesn't really need a full-blown response. And then doing these practices, you learn, well, what is an appropriate response? And so to, to your emotions, how do I, I have this information, now what do I do with it? As opposed to I'm angry, I'm gonna punch something or someone worst case, right? Instead, okay, I have this information, now I need to take right action with this information. So that's the first thing of, of learning to work with your emotions is honoring them. Everybody gets a, a seat at the table. No emotion is too big or ugly or all of those words that you might've heard before, throw that out the window. Everybody gets a seat at the table. And then we learn to listen and to work with them. And now, because I wanna really take this out of being a mental exercise, okay, great, anger gets a seat at the table. What does that mean? What is she talking about? I wanna give you a really powerful somatic tool that you can use. If you take nothing else from this, from this conversation, if you never look any further into energy medicine yoga, I hope that you'll take this with you. It is one of the simplest things. You might laugh and think, really, this woman built her whole career on this, but I wanna tell you, it's so powerful that yes. So if you take your hand and put it on your forehead as if you're taking your temperature, that is one of the most powerful ways to interrupt the limbic loop which is what causes our mind to go over and over and over again, an emotional response and to not be able to release it. It's actually one of the hallmarks of PTSD. 
And when you have a stress in your life or a trauma or any kind of experience that throws you off your center, you go very quickly into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. And what happens then is all the blood leaves your brain so that you can run or fight. But what happens is when the blood leaves the brain, you can't think. You can't think and you can't be creative because that comes from your brain. Your thinking and your creativity come from your brain. The electromagnetism of your hand over your forehead brings blood back to the brain and keeps blood in the brain so that you can be centered and grounded and think and create. And then you respond to a situation instead of react to it. And so that is one of the, the biggest tools of starting to help you kind of digest and assimilate your emotional mm -hmm. experiences and start to learn how to harbor them and care for them and work with them instead of trying to reject them. Yeah, that is one of my favorite simple, simple practices. I'll put my hand on my forehead and breathe deep because oftentimes I'm breathing super shallow, like way up in my clavicle area and I breathe deep, hand on my forehead and it's very soothing. Like, because as a mom, I remember doing that to, you know, my little girls checking to see if, you know, if they have a temperature, if they're okay. So it's, it's a very like natural healing instinct as well. And yes, it brings blood to the brain, which if we want to think effectively, we definitely, definitely need that. I want to circle back a little bit. Uh, in your book, you mentioned, since we're talking about healing trauma, and especially with emotional boundaries, um, you mentioned in your book about healing trauma is one of the most important things that we can do for the world, not just for ourselves, but as a ripple effect out into the world. Can you explain that a little bit more? Hmm. I, I think it all kind of boils down to that that's that saying, I guess it's a saying now, it was a statement. Now I think it's a saying that hurt people hurt people. Mm. And if you look around the world today, it is a perfect example of that. We are all traumatized in some way or another. We've all, let me say this differently. We have all had traumatic experiences in our lives to some degree or other. And the degree to which we have been able to work with and release those traumatic experiences is what leads to us continuing to be traumatized or not. Just the past few years with the pandemic has shown the weaknesses in the world in so many ways and how scary things can get very quickly when our natural, the way that we have been doing things break down. But there are embedded and generational traumas that we are, many of us are still, I, I can't even say many, all of us are still dealing with or not dealing with. But the anger and the rage that you see in the world today directly comes from that. The fear mongering, fear comes from and leads, to, excuse me, Fear leads directly to anger. If you don't work with and release your fear, it leads directly to anger. And so you can see all of the, the different groups trying to oppress other groups, all of that. What does that come from? It comes from their own fears and traumas that are undigested and unacknowledged even, and certainly not worked with. And so all over the world, you're seeing incredible acts of anger and hatred, naked hatred 
and violence and all of that stems from trauma. No one is violent to another human being unprovoked if they are not coming from a trauma place. Mm -hmm. Now, that isn't to excuse that behavior. That is to say, we need to get help. All of us need to get help. And we need to help those that maybe aren't even acknowledging that they are traumatized. There's, I mean, I don't want to start to get political uh, because this is, it's beyond politics, but there's, you know, I'm not even going to get into that. There are, you, all you need to do is open your eyes and see how cruel people are to other people. You can just look, you don't even have to leave your house. You can just scroll through Facebook or scroll through any social media account and see the cruelty and things that I would hope you would never say to another human being if you were sitting in front of them, but you think that you're hidden and so you're still, so you're going to be cruel. But that cruelty is reflective of your trauma, not reflective of what the other person might be posting, because it doesn't matter. They could post an ice cream cone. And if you have undigested trauma, you are going to puke all over that. And that's what we're seeing in the world today. There, we have the answers and the solutions to every single problem in the universe. Every single problem we have we have the technology. We really can overcome every, every, every single problem that we have if we, number one, strengthen the perimeters. And that doesn't, that's not nationalism. I'm not talking about the borders. That is not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, your personal boundary system, that we start to have boundaries of like, hey, polluters, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Instead of we go through these endless you know, legal battles where we know at the root what is good and what is not good, what is health giving and what is not health giving. We don't need lawsuits to decide if we should be, you know, pouring chemicals into rivers or pouring chemicals onto the land. Like there are things, things like that, that go on and on. We have the answers to everything. The reason we don't implement them is because of fear and anger and those are traumatic expressions of, those are expressions of our trauma. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you. And, you know, it just, you know, opens up that, you know, the energy that when we really start to look at our own traumas and we can heal our own wounds rather than looking outside of ourselves or reacting, you know, and starting to take responsibility, you know, we can really shift because from what is within is, you know, is without. And so it will begin to just create this ripple effect of healing on this planet, but we all need to take responsibility for ourselves so we can truly be the love within ourselves and, and open up that space for healing and also give permission for others to do the same. Thank you for tagging that on. Cause that really actually is a crux point and really, really important to understand is is how interrelated and interconnected that we all are energetically and that your, your energy thumbprint affects everybody around you. And so the more that we heal ourselves individually, the more we start to put out coherent energy and um, harmonic energy into the world, we start to create this symphony. And that, that leads to 
transformation on, on a level that we can't even imagine. And I always think about things like it's a wonderful life or Scrooge, right? The Christmas past, present, future. <laughs> At the end of the day, the quote bad guy, they really just want to be accepted and loved too. Mm -hmm. The Grinch, right? At the end of the day, he wants to be accepted too. And so we, we see that why is the Grinch Grinchy? Why is Scrooge Scroogey? Why is uh, Mr. Potter Pottery? Because they are suffering trauma. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that trauma gets resolved, Mr. Potter takes the, the bill and he rips it up and he throws it in. Merry Christmas, everybody. Because at the end of the day, we all want the same things. Love, security, the ability to do what we want in our lives, to be creative in our lives. And so the more we heal ourselves individually, we give rise to that global healing. And as you said, we give acceptance to people as they are, and then that allows them to transform as well, because everybody wants to be at the party. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be part of things. And if we start to heal, then we have access to that instead of isolating ourselves with our behavior. Thank you so much. That is at probably the perfect wrap up to our conscious conversation. So Lauren, please tell um, our listeners where they can find you and anything else you're currently working on. So you can find everything about me on energymedicineyoga.net or emyoga.net. And I'm on all the social channels as well. And there's a lot of really wonderful things going on behind the scenes, as you mentioned, and thank you for mentioning that my first book just, uh, excuse me, my third book just came out in May. And so we're really still promoting that and really promoting the work behind that, which is the energy to heal and how we can uh, help facilitate that on a personal and global level. And so we've got some initiatives in the works and I'm also uh, planning to take a little bit of a sabbatical and regroup. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in practicing what I preach. And one of the things that I think is so important is self-care and, uh, and getting out of this mindset that busy is this, you know, this thing that we should reach for, this goal that we should reach for and having no time for anything, uh, but busy, busy, busy makes us feel so important. And I want to, um, to honor that, uh, and, and release myself from that little treadmill that I've been on so that I can really be supportive of other people. And I've got a bunch of retreats coming next year that I'm really excited about. And that those will all be on my website soon. I'll be teaching at the Feathered Pipe Ranch in Montana, at Hollyhock in Canada, at Kripalu in Massachusetts. And I love each and every one of those places. And I love, I've got a lot of stuff that I do online but nothing makes me happier than in-person teachings that we are so grateful to be able to do again. So if you like to learn live, um, I encourage you to check out energymedicineyoga.net. And I also just want to say, if you're just even a little bit curious, go on some of these channels, find some of this free information, find some of these practices and see if this might work for you because it's really easy it's really accessible and it's really beautiful. I've got a course about to launch next week that I filmed with Donna Eden. And on Facebook, you can go right now and take a free masterclass with me and Donna. 
And if you really want to see the magic of Donna and the magic that became energy medicine yoga through my studies with Donna, and actually you can, uh, uh, let me say that again, you can get that free masterclass right on our website, energymedicineyoga.net. So that would be the first thing I would do. Go get something free and see if you like it. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for being here today and having this beautiful conversation. And we will absolutely put all your links on our show notes so our listeners can easily find you. So thank you. And thank you for listening to Be The Love Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your friends, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes, or liking us on Facebook. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with special guest interviews and speak the love conscious conversations with your co-hosts, myself and Brenda. A monthly donation of $2.22 or $5.55 really helps us with the operating costs of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love. To contribute, visit our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays and Thursdays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.